Welcome to Island Designs, a partnership podcast between Turf and Grey magazine and Belfast Design Week, an annual design festival showcasing and celebrating the design sector in its many forms. As co-hosts, Krishma and I want to capture a moment in time for creatives across the island of Ireland and share their experiences and stories in a different way to audiences around the world. We want to shed light into what being a creative in Ireland means by actually speaking to those within the sector. Each year, Belfast Design Week follows a theme, and this year we want to explore the many ways that the design sector relates to our environments, the natural environment, our working environment, our home environment, and the technological environment. We want to explore our relationships with each of these spaces and how advancements in design can and have created change for our environment and consequently us, and how those ideas will shape our future. We will be discussing how and why the environment and design are so important in today's world, and we will be speaking with creatives from a range of disciplines whose work and lifestyle choices embody our theme. I'm Rachel and I'm a marketing assistant for Bailey's Coffee Roasters in Belfast. I've also been a part of the Turf and Grain team, writing and interviewing for both issues four and five over the last two years. And I'm Karishma. I'm a designer and co-director of Belfast Design Week and also part of Team Turf where I met the lovely Rachel, my co-host and Simon, our producer as well. In this episode, Karishma and I discuss our surroundings in Northern Ireland how the design of the city of Belfast has been shaped and altered over the years for better and for worse. We also discuss how humans attach a sense of belonging to certain spaces and places thanks to design. It was one of the considerations in terms of design, which we can't really forget because it's all around us, is the built environment and the impact it has on us, but also maybe what power we have to affect it as well. Um, as you know, Belfast is... An interesting city in terms of built environment, it's got a lot of heritage, some of it which hasn't been actually saved. Um, And so initiatives such as SafeCQ have popped up um, to see how they can maybe um, voice that this is something that needs to be thought about and protected and conserved. Um, And then other people just want to, you know, pave the way for new things and new projects in the city as well. So there can be often a clash of these two different ways of thinking. One is to erase and start anew and one is to protect and build upon. Um, So, yeah, I just I think it's really fascinating in terms of how many interesting heritage buildings have been knocked down to make way for new things and how this is a real sort of point of contention in the art sector a lot of people discuss this online especially Um, I think there's even a twitter account dedicated to old buildings and it's almost as though the old buildings are talking or something I think I've come across that before and this one's about protecting the old signage and there's there's so much history in Belfast as well Um, so I, I know that that's something that I'm really interested in but what do you think as well Rachel, what do you think of our, our city and the buildings that make it? Yeah, I think that's a good, um, I think that's like a good point you brought up of, it is kind of a reason that old to bring in the new or, you know, kind of just knock it down to start afresh. And Belfast is really interesting because I think there's just such a mix of architecture and design there and um you know that all relates back to the history of like the troubles and and so many buildings were destroyed in Belfast and even back during I suppose the Blitz as well but you know um there's just such a 
combination of different, you know, modern and old and um, the aesthetic is constantly kind of changing. And as you move maybe from one area to the city to the other. Um, so it's maybe one of those things, I think, that has been given a platform, as you said, like with certain buildings, you know, the Ulster architectural heritage sites that have popped up on Instagram and on Twitter and things like that, who have kind of become quite active in engaging people online to kind of maybe make people more aware that there's a lot that's under threat in terms of like architectural history in Belfast and really rich places full of design. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Ulster AHS Instagram page, but I think I was first alerted to it when they were saying that um, they had wanted, they were doing a petition to save um, Crumlin Courthouse, which is obviously a massive historical site just opposite Crumlin Rural Jail. Um, So just stuff like that, that like I wouldn't have been aware maybe that it was even under threat until maybe the last moment and it, it would be no longer there. Um, and so I think sites like this are really good. It's interesting to see it being taken onto again, a social media platform to galvanize kind of people to get together and do something about it. Um, it's not to say that the new isn't good though. Like what, like I think, um, some of the new buildings and, um, you know, parts of, regenerated parts of Belfast are lovely and, and they've brought a lot to certain areas, but I think they're, you know, um, the listed buildings and places that we have that are kind of historical are nice to keep. Um, and yeah, like, what do you think of, I mean, I, th- I guess the city centre has been overtaken now, you know, I remember growing up that, you know, Castle Court and that side of that end of town was like a hub for that's where you did all your shopping. And then obviously Victoria Square came along and, you know, it's a me like there's just it's amazing even like I don't know, do you notice it when you're in Belfast and like where the hubs of people are and in terms of you know, the new buildings, what not new shops cropping up? Yeah, totally, totally. Because like you said, Castle Court, that was where everyone went in the 90s, wasn't it? Everyone hung out in Castle Court. That was a place to be. Then it shifted to Victoria Square. And actually, I think now Cathedral Quarter has still been quite popular for the last few years. It's still, I think, the place that seems really busy that people flock to. Um, But what really interested me last year, actually, because we had a hub at Design Week in the Smithfield and Union Quarter, was just how busy that area is and it's it's full of little small shops and a market and things as well and it's behind Castle Court actually as well and it is still really buzzing there's a lot of people that go around there there's like local cafes and things as well and it's a really really interesting area that I think has a scope to support more independent stores as well actually so it's, it's a very interesting area with a mix of different kinds of shops too 
But I think you're like, you're totally right about there being pockets of activity in city centre. certainly seems like that. You go across a few places that are quite empty and then suddenly there's a hive of activity. Um, even the places up near Primark, um, that used to be really, really busy. And then, of course, the Primark fire a couple of years ago, that completely devastated that building and that area. And so a lot of the local businesses had to move and now they've set up again. But it doesn't seem to have been as busy ever since then it still seems to be missing that sort of hive of activity that used to be there so I think that's a really unexplored area and I know efforts have been made to try and reactivate that part of the city but I think it's not quite where it was before I still think it's quite quiet in comparison to what it used to be um, but I love the little alleyways and I know there's a lot of projects going on at the minute as well. Um, I think, for example, Seedhead Arts um, and Urban Scale Interventions and Liminal, they're exploring all of these spaces in between and looking at the alleyways and the small passages and seeing what can be done with those as well. Um, and I think that's really interesting because when I go to other cities, that's what I love to see that, you know, you've gone around a corner and suddenly there's this interesting piece of art on a wall um, or this interesting feature that you feel like, you know, oh, maybe everyone hasn't seen this. Maybe it isn't, you know, photographed by hundreds of people. It isn't the main thing in the square, but it's the secret thing that I found. So, you know, I really, I really love coming across that. And also changing things in the city too. It doesn't have to always be a completely permanent artwork. It can be something that's there for a year or for a month and that's changing as well. Um, and so I find that really, really fascinating. And I think that's nice to see that cropping up in Belfast a bit more as well. Yeah. Would you like, do you think, and you were saying like you notice it in other cities quite a lot and you come across stuff that it's always unexpected. Yeah. And then like, do you think, was that was that your first reaction when it started cropping up in Belfast, or are you just so used to it in Belfast that um, what? Because I know that there's so many people that come and visit here, and obviously it's a tourist kind of attraction now, or like you know it is always on people's feeds if they're especially in and around like the likes of Cathedral Quarter and that. Yeah. So yeah, then we maybe take for granted a little bit, but. Yeah, I think it is. I think, you know, whenever you're walking past it a lot, then you know it's there. Whereas I think whenever tourists arrive, I know we did a tour around Cathedral Quarter last year um, with a group of international journalists. And then we took them around the different spaces and they loved the street art, especially the massive piece beside the black box. They were really fascinated by it. And it's just lovely showing other people that. But it's something that, you know, you might have seen a hundred times walking past there. It's still lovely to see, but it's not unexpected. But for them, it is. But I think it's those things, you know, in the alleyways that aren't as much in the open that, you know, you're crossing from one part of the city to the other and you go in and you see something small, like a small artwork, you know, under a stair or like, you know, things that, you know, might not always be discovered. I think that that's quite interesting as well. Like I find that very fascinating. And I think in every city, I think it's been the street artists really that have, you know, claimed back that sort of hidden art in the city and you know, gone about making things. I think here actually it's more commercialized. I think it's always in partnership with, you know, like city council and other um, organizations. Whereas I think in other cities, it is a bit more, I don't know, underground. It feels a bit more underground. I think here it's more accepted as being something that we want here in the city. Whereas in other ones, it may not be allowed and it just crops up. Yeah, I think, um, in Glasgow, I think for a while it was like that. It was more just um, graffiti artists and street artists just um, 
taking hold of a space just um and going out and and doing it there is one I'm blanking on his name but there is one quite famous Glaswegian um street artist who then kind of was commissioned to do a few murals and and street art um exhibits around the city for the Commonwealth Games but um I rem- I remember that it was like being told at uni that it was kind of an underground sort of thing and people would just artists would come along or graffiti artists would come along and do their thing and you know maybe in the depths of night or under bridges and stuff where they wouldn't be seen and each tag was from a different artist or so there was that whole underground kind of scene of it in cities like Glasgow anyway um whereas here always I think because maybe we grew up around murals and things like that it was always like not it wasn't ever that unusual for us to see it um so seeing it yeah I know just seeing it in other cities then was never like that much of a of a shock it was always really cool it was always really cool to see really amazing pieces of art on on street walls or outside of like shops or in really unexpected places um and then I think with the growth of Cathedral Quarter and all these kind of spaces in and among around Belfast and you're right like when you go down like some of the alleyways and stuff there's definitely little pieces that I would never have noticed before and that always like sparks a little bit of joy or just curiosity of I need to explore like a lot of these different parts of Belfast more because I'm clearly missing um missing out on like different little things that I never really maybe had realized that were there yeah absolutely and I know like whenever we were studying in foundation art at Ulster University we used to always go past Catalyst Arts and that whole alleyway that whole like mini road between there and the area beside Castle Court that was always filled with different artists street art every time there was something new there and it was always somewhere to go and photograph I think I still have a folder of all of the pictures I took during that time and I've kept it very safely online um so it's sitting there (laughs) Uh, but yeah I just like this you know I think here maybe our relationship with street art is different like you said maybe because of the murals and I think maybe that's why street art is encouraged in a more public and commercial way because people want um, alternatives potentially to traditional murals in terms of you know having things that are um, not necessarily depoliticized but just having a more I don't know cross-cultural approach in terms of what the street art shows potentially I think there's definitely like a look at that when it comes to local street art here as well what I find really interesting is um, groups like urban scale interventions and other people that are, are working to transform the space here they are starting to engage a lot with the public I think user-centered design has always been important, but I think it's now becoming very publicly shown in terms of projects that are taken up by City Council in collaboration with urban scale interventions and other and other groups as well. Um, in terms of having these focus groups talking to the local residents, I think that's now become the norm for trying to get good projects underway. Whereas before it was maybe just an afterthought that it was like, oh, you know, we'll build this and then they'll like it. But now it's become really important to actually say, you know, what would you like for your area? And, you know, what what interests you? What's important to you about the space that you're inhabiting? And I think that conversation has 
changed a lot over the last few years, especially with design companies coming in and doing focus groups. I think that's it's vastly mm-hmm. changed. Why do why do you think that changes like come about? Like, you know, it's just it seems even kind of unreasonable in the first place that a project would happen without some sort of like public um opinion on it yeah I think it's all to do with social media and ease of access to making commentary online because I think before you know people could do something and then it'd be up and running and if you want to complain maybe you wrote into a newspaper or you know it was quite a challenging process to actually get your voice heard whereas now everyone has a megaphone basically in their smartphone they can pick it up and put something on twitter it could go viral and be shared multiple times which has happened actually with some of the projects that have come up that people have disagreed with and thought that you know this is not what we want for our city it's been taken up and shared widely and they've had to then take into account what people are saying so to avoid all of that I think it's almost been like yeah we must do this because we don't want that sort of negative publicity but also it makes the project better overall to actually engage with the people that are utilizing it because you don't want something that becomes defunct within a year. You want something that is long lasting and a really good, well-designed project that actually engages those end users or whoever's living in that area or whoever's passing through it. You want those people to have some sort of buy-in to whatever you're designing. No, and that makes sense, especially as you were saying, like with like your, your iPhone is essentially, your mobile phone essentially is a megaphone to kind of shout about things if you're not happy about it. And you can, I suppose, like directly contact the people responsible or at least attempt to anyway. And someone else might pick up their phone and do the exact same thing. So I guess you're right in that sense. When you when you're saying like public forum, all that goes in my head is like scenes from Parks and Rec. <laughs> when they when they hold like public forums on projects that they try to do um and I guess that that's maybe something that's hopefully they're not like that in real life although I'm probably thinking that they might actually be but um I guess like those kind of public facing ones in like a community center or you know like a town hall or something are probably something of the past now especially with COVID like they'll not be done in the same way anymore so like go on to your phone is probably the next best thing one of the interesting things that came up in design week a few years ago was joe laverty's work so joe laverty is a photographer a local photographer he photographs buildings and spaces and one of the projects he'd covered was all to do with boundaries Um, and one of the major focuses was how the west link has cut up belfast into different segments And actually how you go to parts of the city and the roads just sort of end. And it's not really, it doesn't look like it's planned or thought out because it hasn't been, you know, a road, another road, a bigger road has just gone through it and just ended the city in certain spaces, which has actually then maybe created more boundaries, potentially more divisions. And it means that people at one side of the city can't access the city centre as easily as they once were able to which has maybe changed their relationship with the city as well. So I thought that 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 was really interesting, that these man-made boundaries that, you know, people have put these in that were maybe even once designed to try and keep peace are now keeping people apart from actually 
being able to engage and discuss things or go into city centre and explore it more easily. I think that that's really interesting series that he made. Yeah, I'll have to, I don't think I've actually looked at that myself, but that's a really interesting idea as well because I think that's totally true. Like, I'm just picturing the West Link in my head. <laughs> yeah, like, it does, it does completely divide, like, it does completely cut up the city when you think about it like that. And, like, roads do just sort of end and they all merge into it, you know, and, um, like, I... I think that that's a really excellent kind of point that he's made about, you know, how that has created those kind of boundaries. And, um, you know, I think about how easy it is for me to access the city centre when, when I'm staying in Belfast. Um, I can just I can just walk quite easily or... I can drive quite easily and it doesn't take me very long, but coming in from different parts of the city, especially having to navigate over those kind of boundaries is, is going to be completely different for someone else. Um, yeah. It is very challenging. And also, you know, people actually are quite close to city centre. So for example, with Duncairn, um, the art centre that's in North Belfast, it's a beautiful centre and it's very close to city centre. But I think a lot of people would be scared to, you know, cross from city centre to Duncairn because of that big west link. And even though there is a bridge that goes over it, it just automatically makes you think, oh, no, that's really far. And oh, you have to cross the west link. It's, it's much further than that. But I wonder if there's a way of um, designing more wayfinding around the city so people know that from the city centre to somewhere like Duncairn is actually not that far and this is the path you take. Because obviously we all have Google Maps very handy, but sometimes it's nice to maybe visualise it or see it in that sort of way as well. So I think that's that's quite an interesting thing that I hope might happen in the future for Belfast, more wayfinding and ways of seeing how easy it might be and which way to get from one place to another as well in a more visual, open way. That would be really that would be really cool because I think the whole like I th- I think there's so much emphasis always on the city center of being in that kind of one space in particular and not really kind of you don't you don't need like this is the part of Belfast that you need to visit when there's actually all these like as you said like with Darn Cairn there's all these amazing kind of centers and spaces outside of it it's not all just all in this one little bubble. Um, and I think that's that's probably what hurts a lot of those spaces too, you know, kind of that shift always being on those centre focal points of Belfast where the heavy retail is, where the heavy kind of um, footfall always goes to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think actually we think about Belfast as, you know, being like separated and apart, but overall it's still a very small city. Whereas if you go somewhere like, you know, cities in America, for example, they're so far apart, you have to drive everywhere. Whereas Belfast is quite a walkable city, I would say. But it's just trying to encourage people how to safely and easily get around the city. I think that is the next challenge. I know public transport has been, you know, changed with the glider, for example, to try and make that really smooth transition. But again, I feel like more could be done to encourage people to to use alternatives to cars because I still find it more convenient to use a car because there isn't something that takes me more easily to another place 
Whereas somewhere like London, you don't need a car because the public transport is so well connected. So I think that is a massive challenge, I think, here that could be better addressed still. I think there's way more to go. I think you're definitely right in saying like there's definitely more that could be done. I think um, cycling is definitely something I would love to do more of in the city centre. But as you said, like um, for some of the work I do, a car is just so much more it is a lot more practical for if I need to go outside of the city and come back in again in a day a couple of times it's that's going to be the most effective mode of transport and I think a lot of people still feel that way because um like we are one of the most congested cities in the UK um to think that we're on par with like other cities um like that or like London is just kind of really insane to think about yeah it always shocks me when i hear stuff like that and polluted as well and apparently like the ormer road and lisburn road are really badly congested and polluted but you don't really like you don't necessarily always feel that because it does feel like there's a lot of traffic but it doesn't feel like it's the worst the uk but that's really shocking if it is one of the worst we've maybe gone backwards in terms of trying to to make public transport better because there used to be a tram system there used to be a really good train system connecting all of northern ireland and then all of those went away and i think there's just like a a big sort of you know a gap that they've left because actually they were very useful and you can imagine a great tram system around belfast too would have been very very useful Um, and also the river i think the river is underutilized in terms of being somewhere that you know people could hop on and get like a a boat from one place to another and i think it's maybe been tried in the past but not really successfully taken off in a big way but i think you go to other cities and that is a main feature of the city to cross you get onto a boat it takes you from one point to another and there's regular boats doing that I think that would be lovely to see that in Belfast and see the the lagging used a bit more as well. I think that would be fascinating. My husband, Andrew, and I, we took a long walk across the city a few weeks ago and we walked along the water and we just like, we still wondered, you know, why is this space not used enough? Because in other cities I've been to, there's lots of stuff going on by the waterside. There's restaurants, there's, you know, real hive of activity People are sitting out and especially on a nice summer's day, it is the place to be because our riverside is really lovely, but it's not got any activity going on. It's very, very quiet. There's like, you know, a couple of, you know, nice food vans and stuff up near the big fish. But I think overall, it's still really quiet. So I think I'd love to see that space open up a bit more because it feels it's almost like it's been built for activity, but just that it's not actually being used in that way. And it's a nice, big, massive open space, perfect for social distancing. That would be really wonderful to use more, I think. Do you think it's like one of those spaces that obviously was heavily, heavily utilised back in the day and then it's kind of just been, like like we talked about in the beginning, like it's, you know, it hasn't exactly, it can't, it's it's just been forgotten about in, in a huge sense, you know. Yeah, it's been forgotten about. It's been, you know, maybe it's difficult to access compared to other parts of the city because I think there's a lot of spaces um, 
for you to, co- to park your car but further out so then you have to walk down to these spaces but then I think you need better wayfinding and you need more advertising that you know these are some lovely things that are happening because there have been restaurants there is the Belfast barge that's popped up and that's done really well but I think it'd be lovely to see even more like could St George's markets fill out onto the the riverside as well and you know could they do more things with that part of the city as well because I know there's festivals and whenever they come up that's part of the city is used a lot more but all over the year it could be used a lot more could you have a Christmas market by the river for example you know why are we thinking about things in the same way why does it only have to be in one part of the city can we not have it by the river I'm really promoting the river here Rachel I don't know why you know (laughs) I know I know no one's paying me I swear but uh yeah it'd be lovely to just use the river a bit more in lots of ways beside the river in the river not not right in the river but just on the river that would be really great as well it's an interesting point because um I remember like for the for one of the interviews for the latest the last issue there of Turf and Green um I chatted with Thomas Wells a performance artist and they had said um similar things to you about how the river is so underutilized and that as a performance artist they had um curated a piece with a collaborator across in Nottingham who also had noticed the same thing with the trend that flows through Nottingham so they had created a performance piece called then something interrupted me from my voyage and they um they utilized the space of the lagging and they went out with the lagging kirk and they had a performance piece on the water on the lagging and um that just sounds really cool to me you know they they had a choir and music and this whole performance on the river and people walking by were a bit like what is happening but you know um the arts made it to the lagging you know so they onto the lagging um and it was it was it was using it was the whole idea of um you know Inter- interrupting that space in Belfast for something completely different and um, something that would make people stop and look at it and see the river in a different way as you were sort of saying about how okay it's not being used for the industry that it was beforehand so how can you like utilize the space which as you said like is really you know you, you walk along like the Ormond Embankment and, and spaces like that and it's lovely but there is nothing else there really yeah, because even walking along, you know, past, like you said, Ormond Embankment, past the, the Ozone Arena, you always look in and you just see lots of, you know, wild wild flowers, wild grasses. Some of them look really lovely, but then you kind of think, you know, wouldn't it be lovely if you could sit out in more of these spaces? Or um, obviously this is not the right time to encourage people to gather and sit out, but still outdoors is better than indoors for now. So um, yeah, having space outside just to, to do things more and just, you know, having more thoughtful um, like art experiences, like you said, that sort of unexpected performance but also maybe some more, you know, sculptures or public art, visual art. More of that, I think, along the river would be amazing. I think that is the the beauty of the creative sector. I think it brings people together in different parts of the city. Because again, it's the same in like um, in West Belfast in Cultureland as well. I went there because my friend had an exhibition in Cultureland, so I went to see it. 
And I was like, oh, I haven't actually been here before, but I'd went, I'd gone to see my friend's exhibition. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'll visit this place again because it's actually very nice. So it's just, yeah, you go there for one thing and then you stay and come back again. Why don't we hear from our guest? In this episode, we hear from Shane Quinn, Development Director for Belfast Buildings Trust and head of its successful Belfast Initiative. He's also part of the team that helped bring the parklet to Ormer Road this year. The parklet is a public seating platform converted from five curbside parking spaces into a safe and vibrant community space. Here's how they did it and how it's benefiting the local area. I'm Shane Quinn and I'm Development Director for Belfast Buildings Trust and head up its successful Belfast initiative and we've been working along with the guys from OGU Architects, MMAS Architects and Queen's University School of Architecture on the Ormo Parklet on the Ormo Road. And basically that um, very accidentally came about um, through some conversations that we were having on social media back at the end of May. And quickly we realized that we could do a quick demonstration project that would have both immediate and longer term goals that would look at the environment basically that we are in at the moment partly because of COVID, but also just longer term issues in terms of design and urban design um, and how Belfast functions as a city. So the Ormo Parklet is a trial placemaking project um, to test how the city can creatively redesign some of its public spaces. We've taken five on-street parking spaces, designed those as a, a new outdoor neighbourhood space to help with physical distancing and make it usable by both people and business. It was very much that idea of saying there are some businesses here, if there was additional space for them, as well as general public space for people to be able to use. It would help with COVID-19 issues, but it would also be a way of looking at, well, how can we use some of the city's underused, unloved um, spaces that actually are for people very much using temporary urbanism, very much using collaborative approaches with a core focus on quality design. And there were four main elements, I guess, to the project in terms of the design approach. We took the idea that environment has kind of two elements uh, when it comes to the Ormo Parklet, one being about the environment of place, it being in a particular location, it needing to reflect the distinctiveness of its neighbourhood, of the Ormo Road, of Balnafai. Also kind of that idea of the environment in terms of climate and kind of asking the question of how do we move around the city? How do we use our city? How can we encourage people to use um, different modes of transport? Um, and very much using the idea of designing for people, designing for the environment that people are in uh, and adapting to those circumstances, but also looking at the idea of environment in the situational side of things, in the contextual side, in terms of the policy environment, the delivery environment, and the fact that policy for place in Northern Ireland is very fragmented. Um, it required... The parklet required a real collaborative approach from the outset because we needed to involve City Council and the Department for Infrastructure and the folks from IMTAC in terms of accessibility and, and inclusive design. 
as well as the upfront design work from the architects um, who were involved in the whole process from, from day one. And that idea of how design can test things, can test the delivery environment that exists in Northern Ireland and, and kind of move the needle along. Basically, it would take a very long time to try and explain <laughs> all of the elements of how the project happened. But there were four main bits, one being that collaborative partnership approach that I talked about and, and kind of everyone having a little willingness of risk and, and willing being willing to test a few things along the way, um, trusting each other, coordinating, communicating, um, and very much seeing co-design as being a way of making other projects happen. If it could work on this one, then other projects could, could happen along the way. Obviously, the actual technical design um, in terms of the parklet itself and the architects put a huge amount of effort into that, um, not least some of the technical challenges around the Omer Road being a trunk road, um, but also the fact that the materials and the quality in there were high quality, um, that they were properly designed elements um, and the kind of positive reaction from people has emphasised that the parklet's design has had an impact on their experience of the environment. There's also the research piece in terms of having Queen's University um, and some of the researchers from there um, and some of the academics from Queen's involved in using the parklet as a test to build some local evidence for other placemaking projects. So there's a whole set of studies and, and impact studies um, going on around it. And the final piece on the design kind of comes down to the procurement. It was not a typical project. It could not have been procured in a typical way. Um, it was very much about seeing is believing, doing things quickly, adapting as we move along and now looking at how that can be kind of packaged up as a piece of learning uh, so that again other temporary urbanism quick demonstration projects can happen but with a more simplified procurement process um, and again the architects who were involved had a huge um, piece of work involved in in kind of designing the actual model of how the project was going to get delivered. So I think, in a broad sense, the Ormo Parklet, for us, very much fits in the kind of theme of environment because it's about the place and the environment of how people use their public spaces, but also testing that idea of how we as a city, what's the environment for delivering kind of creative, um, innovative projects that are going to hopefully slightly change people's perception of what's possible in the city. And that's the Omo Parklet. Um, I suppose maybe just then a few final thoughts on the topic of the built environment and, and what you see changing in the city as we go on over the next couple of years. Obviously, you know, our environment has probably been permanently changed because I think people have changed in how they interact with people now, especially because of the pandemic, but also just, you know, they've seen things like, you know, the parklet pop up and think, you know, why don't we have this for the city? Why don't we have more of this? Um, so what, what would you love to see in the city, Rachel? Like, what, what do you think would be really amazing for Belfast in the future? It's a good question. That's a difficult question as well. Um, I'm gonna reverse it. Tell me not. I'm gonna reverse. I'm gonna reverse it back onto you, but you can't say anything to do with this the lagging. Is an Uno, Rachel. 
Oh no, that's really tough actually. Um, well actually something you mentioned earlier was the car parks. I think that would be really interesting alternative uses for car parks because we were talking actually with Shane from Successful Belfast a long time ago about different car parks. You know, what, what could happen in those car parks at night? Could they suddenly, not nothing dodgy obviously, could they turn into something amazing? Like, you know, could there be a gig in the car park? Could it be used for something else could there be artwork in the car parks because there are so many that are just you know left empty people go home after work and then that's it it's like a big gray space with nothing else going on claire mcquillan interestingly said that you can pick crab apples in different car parks which i had not thought of and still would be concerned about with fumes but she said that they're actually quite safe just pick the ones that are way above the cars um so yeah i think car parks are something that could be re revisited and street food vans i'd love to see more of those in the city because the ones that are there are amazing so more of those would be fantastic that's an interesting point because um i don't know if you've watched like um programs like ugly delicious or yeah the chef show or anything like that on netflix but i have um, i have so um like one of the guys um he kind of consults on the chef show and he's like a huge part of it. Um, you know, he owns quite successful food vans in LA and there's a spot in Venice where all these food vans come on certain evenings and like they kind of just fill a space like a car park and there's just all these outdoor eateries that you can choose from. Um, similarly, like, you know, things like St. George's Market are obviously like really great spaces for that kind of interaction. Um yeah uh so be like i'd love to see more of that as well i think like um those kind of outdoor kind of food festival type type things could be really interesting and i definitely think our street food has like gone up and up and up and it's become increasingly more popular and more people seem to um have like horse boxes or food vans to do that kind of yeah. thing and um, has amazing food at the moment it's got a great yeah. food scene yeah i think that could definitely be utilized more as well um i don't know what else i really like the idea of the parklet and it seems to be going quite successfully um, yeah. it'll be interesting to hear or it's interesting they always keep posting up feedback from local residents and feedback off uh, business owners and things and it's a really interesting concept because they've obviously collaborated with local businesses and with the residents of ormo as well and I think more projects like that, as you said, like kind of getting that kind of focus fit group information back. Yeah. Um, but obviously like with the, I don't know, with kind of the closure of like hospitality um, hubs such as cafes and restaurants and retail is still going and maybe not as strong as it was. Um, I think just trying to find ways to inject um money and and um regeneration into the areas that like you said like kind of smithfield market and um those kind of historical but like typically belfast spaces that have all these really niche shops and and places you know i i always love finding little places like that i always love love finding like local kind of shops and places to support that do different things that you wouldn't maybe have come across before um and maybe that's a a better way finding around Belfast maybe that's better 
promotion of those spaces and those places as well um, and finding a way to do that that's visual and um, that would attract people to it. But everything will be maybe outdoors for a while. Maybe that will be the safer place um, and obviously online. Um, but I had seen recently actually, um, I think it was Ryan McMullen maybe, had done like an outdoor drive-in gig. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought that was so cool. Um, I've seen a lot of people like going to maybe like drive-in like movies and things. And um, yeah. like that would be such a cool, that would be a cool idea at Les Car Park as well. I feel like we're coming up with loads of ideas for Car Park. <laughs> um, if anyone's listening, please make all of these happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously down by I think it happened down, yeah I think it happened down by Titanic slipway maybe or somewhere like that but um, again like that's I think that's a really cool thing and obviously like with the toll and live events and that sector and um, within the arts in particular like it's been hit so incredibly hard and um you know that would be I just I just thought that was such a cool initiative and it would be something that would be really cool to see happening again because you're kind of protected from the elements and that you're in your car um uh but as well it's just like what a kind of pastimey experience to have along with going to a gig again you know I thought that was really cool to see that happening Thanks for listening to this episode of Island Designed. It's the final one in our series, so thanks for listening along. We hope that you have enjoyed it and that these conversations have highlighted even a few ways of how design influences our environment on our island and beyond. This podcast was produced as a collaboration between Belfast Design Week and Turf and Green. If you would like to find out more about Belfast Design Week, please visit belfastdesignweek.com.